But uh, look down with me at uh, uh, Philippians chapter number 3. And uh, with the help of the Lord, I want to preach on this thought tonight, press toward the mark. I was just praying, just seeking the Lord uh, what to do this evening. Uh, there's so many different passages of Scripture I want to go to. So, But I was just trying to be mindful of the Lord this evening. I don't want to preach anything that God wouldn't have me to preach. And it just seemed like God was directing me in this direction. So uh, I want to start in verse number 3. And I'm going to read down through uh, just a few verses here. And uh, I, I hope and I pray that this would be a help and encouragement to you this evening. This is Paul speaking, of course, right here. He says, For we are the circumcision, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might have also confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath, whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted for loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things, but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith that I may know Him. Oh, dear friend, that we may know Him. Oh, I'm excited about that. I surely do know Him this evening. I want to know Him better, friend. Uh, but it says that I may know Him and that the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might obtain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I have already obtained, uh, either were already perfect. For I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Uh, brethren, I count my, not myself to apprehend. I love that. Paul's saying, I ain't, I ain't arrived yet. If Paul, the writer uh, of most of our New Testament, said he hadn't arrived yet, do you think we got there yet? Oh, dear friend, we're far from there. He says, not uh, be a brethren, I count not myself to apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forth to those things which are before. I press toward the mark, uh, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Our text verse this evening, of course, is verse 14. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Folks, it's not time to give up. It's time to press forward. It's not time to say, I, I, I'm tired. You know what? It's retirement. No, dear friend, it's time to press forward that much harder. Uh, if you don't believe me, you look what's going on in Israel. <laughs> I believe Revelation is coming into, into play even already. Folks, we're looking for a trumpet. I'm not looking for anything else anymore. <laughs> I can see the finish line and we're about there. You know what? I'm praising God. The birth pains, that she's already in travail right now. That baby's head's about out, dear friend. We're about home. You know what we've got to do is we've got to continue on, not give up. Scripture tells us there'll be a great falling away. I don't want to be in that great falling away. I want to keep on pressing on. And with the help of the Lord, I want to preach on that thought tonight, press toward the mark. Father, we thank You for the privilege and the opportunity to stand here tonight. God, I know that I'm a nothing, uh, Lord, made out of nothing, Lord, but You created me, God, and You can use me. And God, You formed me, and Lord, You're forming me into the image of Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, that I, we would give You honor and glory. I, Lord, I pray that You'd fill me with the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, I need You tonight. Lord, we need You tonight. Father, if we came in here for any other reason than to worship You, Father, we came in for the wrong reason. I heard a preacher once say, Lord, uh, I, I didn't come to be a blessing. I didn't come to get blessed, but I come to worship. And Father, I came to worship You tonight. 
So Lord, I thank You for the good singing already. I thank You for Shining Light Baptist Church. Lord, I thank You for Pastor Bass and his dear wife and children. And God, I just pray, Lord, that You would move upon this service. God, as You get them prepared for the revival services later on this week, God, I pray that our hearts would be stirred. God, I pray that we would draw closer to You. We sure do need You today, Lord. We didn't come in here just to get out of the cold tonight, Lord, but we come to get around the fire, the Holy Spirit tonight, Lord, for You to just to get into our hearts, and uh, Lord, that we would uh, set the world ablaze for Christ's name. Lord, we love You, and we sure do thank You tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So I want to preach through this just for the next few minutes with the help of the Lord on this thought, press toward the mark. I heard it said one time, it, 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 they titled a little uh, uh, a thing called Obstacles in Our Path. It said in ancient times, a king had a boulder placed on a roadway. He would then hide himself to watch and see if anyone would remove the huge rock. Some of the king's wealthiest merchants and couriers would come by and simply walk around it. Many would loudly blame the king for not keeping the roads clear, but none would do anything about getting the boulder out of the road. And then a peasant came along. He was carrying a burden. He was carrying his own load. And upon uh, approaching the boulder, he laid down his burden. And he tried to move that stone. And as he got to it, he was pushing it. And he was straining. And he was trying to get it. And finally he succeeded to get it off the road. And after the peasant went back to pick up his own burden that he had laid down, he looked back and laying right there where that boulder lay was a purse. And inside that purse was gold coins and a note from the king saying, saying this, that it was for the person who ever removed the stone or that boulder from the road. Uh, the peasant learned what many of us have never yet understood. Every obstacle presents an opportunity. Right. Folks, if you've got some obstacles in your path, praise God for them because God's going to use that for an opportunity. You know, I almost preached that tonight over there in uh, Luke cha- or John, uh, uh, John chapter 5. Let me think here. Where am I going? Luke chapter number 5. I preach a message about bringing them to Jesus, about the obstacles that are in our past present opportunities for us. And I'm grateful that we have that even tonight, that God puts forth things before us. But we know that Paul is the writer of this book of the Bible that we're reading here in the Philippians. Of course, it's to the Philippian church. And Paul gives us, uh, to start off with, if you caught this, I I know I speak fast, okay? I'm trying to get a whole lot in in a little bit of time. I don't want to get you out no later than you normally go, okay? And I probably, and I'm not real good on time, so I'm going to work on that even this evening. My wife says kiss. Uh, keep, it, keep it short, stupid. And uh, so anyways, uh, she doesn't tell me to keep it simple. She says keep it short because she knows I'm a simple-minded preacher anyways. But she's like, keep it short. I got in trouble with the inmates the other night. Last Tuesday night, I was up in Wilkesboro in the prison. And one of the guys said, oh, he said, you got plenty of time. I had 45 minutes. I said, I said, brother, I said, you don't know. I said, you don't know me. I said, I'll preach for an hour and a half. I said, so, uh, I said don't even get me started. But uh, uh, anyways, uh, at the beginning of this pastor's scripture where we started, we find out about Paul's credentials or his qualifications. Uh, over there in verse number 5, it begins to tell us, he says, I was circumcised the eighth day. He says, uh, of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. Paul is talking about who he was. Paul is talking about everything that Paul was. You know what, we can sit here and say, wow, I'm a, I'm a Baptist. Hey, I, I'm a, uh, I, I, I dress this way. Hey, I do it like this. Hey, I do it like that. So on and so forth. And all those are great, fine, and dandy. Uh, but if we're not Christ's followers, if we're not disciples of the Lord, then we're nothing, dear friends. Did you know we could open up, if I had the ability, and I don't, but if I had the ability, I, I, I wish the Lord would allow me to do it, is to open back the depths of hell, and we were to look back in there even this evening, do you know we see people that were part of the Baptist church in hell tonight? 
Because they had religion down packed. They wore the right outfits. They carried the right version of the Bible. They spoke the right lingo. They walked the right way. But at the end of the day, they didn't know the one they were even talking about. Dear friends, that's where we're at today. In our world, in our society, in our church today, we have people that come in every single service. They look the part, they act the part, but they're far from a Christian. For, 12, for almost 12 years, I worked for a place called Tyson. Anybody ever heard of that? Worked for Tyson Foods. And so I had such a joy. Uh, I didn't get to work where they killed them. I got to work where all the leftovers went. I worked at a rendering facility. What a joy that was. And so uh, if you've ever drove by one, you know the smell because you'll smell it 10 miles away, literally. And so anyways, I worked for them for about 12 years. I was a maintenance man, so I crawled around in that good old-fashioned equipment that took care of that. And... Um, Anyways, Lord blessed. I'm grateful for that. But you know, one thing I learned long, long ago is when I went into that facility, I don't care how many chickens were, were in there that day. I don't care how many were getting processed that day. You know what? I could have dressed up as a chicken preacher. I could have walked around just like a chicken. You know what? I could have even clock, clock a little bit like a chicken. But when I went home, I found out something. I wasn't a chicken. It don't matter how much you act like a chicken. It don't matter how much you look like a chicken. don't even matter if you call yourself a chicken. You're still not a chicken. Folks, we've got identity issues in our world today. People call themselves all kinds of things. You think I don't see it in the prison? I go into all men, male, male facilities and see women walking around. We don't have women in those facilities. And the state funds that, by the way. I'm telling you, I see all kinds of things. You know what I do to those individuals? I try to win them to Christ. You know what, I want to tell them about Jesus. Went to, went to the cross to die for their sins too. You know what, so that they could be saved. That they can be transformed. You know what, me, me giving them a hard time ain't going to transform them. Me telling them what I think or what I believe or how I feel about it ain't going to change them. Me telling them what Jesus said. That Jesus loved them and died on the cross of Calvary for them. You know what, I don't care how much a person looks different than me. Have y'all realized I'm a little bit darker than everybody in here tonight? If you ain't realized that, I keep a tan all year long. My mom's white, but my dad's black, folks. It doesn't make a difference to me. I don't care what you look like, what you sound like, what you act like, or anything else. Folks, everybody's got a soul. 2 Peter chapter, 2 Peter chapter number 3, verse number 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, who are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Praise God that Jesus died on the cross for everybody. He died for those thieves hanging on the cross right beside of Him. And only one received him, the other rejected him. Oh, 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 uh, um, Barabbas, Barabbas got let go. Didn't even realize why he was being let go. He was a murderer and a rioter. And yet he was being let go in Christ, an innocent. The innocent Lamb of God was being crucified for him. Was being put in his place. I'm sure glad that Jesus went in my place. Folks, I couldn't have done it any other way. You couldn't have done it any other way. Our good works wouldn't have have, have allowed us to bend there. And I'm thankful for that. But Paul said something in his credentials. He says, it's not by my strength. That's his physicality. He says, it's not by my study. That's him knowing the Word of God. He said, it's not by my service. That's your good deeds. He said, it's not by my saturation. That's being baptized. I tell you what, when I talk to an inmate, hey, are you saved? Yeah, I've been baptized. Man, everybody's been baptized. Everybody's been baptized. I don't even like asking people, are they saved? What I like to ask people, are you born again? Have you had a second birth? I understand you have a physical birth because you wouldn't be here any other way, but have you had a second birth? Jesus said to Nicodemus, He said, you must be born of water and of spirit. 
There's a born again. There's a second birth. Uh, everybody in North Carolina saved. If you didn't know that, come knock on doors with me one day. Everybody's saved. I mean, I don't go to a house. I'll knock on a door. Hey, how you doing today? Hey, I'm out from the church. Just want to know, are you going to heaven today? How do you know? Yeah, I'm saved. Well, praise God. Hey, I was baptized. You know, Granny, Granny's been in the church for all the years. Grandpa was a, was a chairman of the deacons. I'm grateful for all those things, but I asked about you. And I do that so often. You confront a person on that, and then you'll find out. But it's interesting because Paul says it's only by salvation. It's that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul knew much about this. And Paul's life, of course, when he gave his credentials, notice uh, some different things about Paul, and I've not got time to get into everything this evening. But Paul, when he was known as the uh, when he was known as Saul of Tarsus, was a persecutor of the church. Back over in Acts chapter number eight, he was uh, he was causing great havoc. Uh, he was going into the church. Verse number three of uh, Acts eight, he was going in causing great havoc. What was he doing? He was gambling, getting uh, verse four, I believe it is. It says, or in verse three, he said he was grabbing men and women and hailing them off to jail. Did you know he was an accessory to murder? He held the clothes of them that stoned Stephen. I wonder, preacher, if he didn't pick up a rock or two and say, here guys, this is a good sized one, hit him with this one. You know, we don't think about that, but I believe that that experience changed uh, Paul's life too. He witnessed a man that was willing to die for Christ. For a brand new faith, they knew nothing about these, the, the, word, the term Christian had not even come around yet. The church has not even fully been established yet. And yet these people were willing to die. Stephen was the first martyr for Christ. Uh, uh, but I see throughout, uh, throughout Paul's life, when he, was the, uh, when he was Saul of Tarsus, you know what, he didn't live the best life. Now, he was very religious. He had that down. He can memorize Scripture better than any man. Uh, but he was making havoc of the church, like I said. Uh, but after his conversion, uh, Paul, his transformation on the Damascus Road over there in Acts chapter number 9, of course, he was changed from Saul to Paul, and his entire life began changing. Uh, by Acts uh, chapter 9, verse 20, he was preaching the gospel. His eyes were healed. As soon as his eyes were touched, guess what he had to do? He had to tell somebody about Jesus. I wonder, when's the last time we told somebody about Jesus? You know, about the one that saved us, the one that changed our lives. We're not who we used to be. And so, as we continue on in Scripture, Paul had some attributes that I think we could relate to. I think Paul was teaching us so many different things. But as we look at Paul's life, and we'll just take just a few minutes in these few verses, we'll look what he was telling the Philippians, and I believe he was making a roadmap for us. For us to follow that we could grow and we can learn just as well as he was trying to train these uh, Philippians, and he was trying to help them out. Paul was teaching us to press on through the trials and the difficulties and that we had to continue on. Uh, I told the folks this morning... Um, I, was, I was literally hunched over in pain this morning. Like I said, I've been in the hospital been doing all kinds of tests. I've got some abdominal pain. And so they've been doing all kinds of tests. They're trying to figure it out. I ate radiation the week before last. What a joy that was. This past week, I got to eat some, some kind of, or drink some kind of drink. I don't even know what it was. It looked like milk, but it tasted like chalk. Uh, and so I had to drink this stuff. And they constantly, they got me on a machine. They're constantly taking pictures. They're trying to figure stuff out. And... Uh, they, they haven't figured anything out, and that's why I'm asking you to pray, because they can't really figure out where the, why the pain keeps coming back. Uh, but needless to say, Paul was telling us that we have to continue to press forward. You know what? I want to say that tonight. We are to press toward the mark. Look with me at verse number 10 and 11. I want you to see something. First thing that we're going to notice, when we press on towards the prize, when we press on to the mark, we have to understand we've got to go through the grave first. You say, Brother Bushy, what do you mean? Well, look with me at verse number 10. That I may know Him. Now, okay, how are we going to know the Lord? Well, we've got to go through the grave. 
uh, and the power of his resurrection. Notice the wording here. And the fellowship of his suffering be made and being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might obtain unto the resurrection of the dead. Think about this. When you were lost, when you were uh, when you were lost in your sin, you were dead to ter- uh, dead to sin and trespasses. According to uh, Ephesians chapter two verse one. You have the and he and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Did you know before you were saved you were dead? A lot of people don't realize that. You say, oh, no, I'm alive. No, you're dead. Because you're already condemned to hell and you just don't even know it. Jesus said over there in John 3 in chapter in verse number 17, he says, If you've not received me, if you've chosen to reject me, you're condemned already. And folks, that's where we're at today. We've got to come up out of the grave. Well, how do we come up out of the grave? Well, the only way we can come up out of the grave is being saved. Coming to know the Lord is our personal Lord, uh, uh, Lord and Savior. Uh, John chapter number five, verse twenty-four says, "Verily, verily, I say unto ye, He that heareth my word and believeth on me, that him that sent me, hath everlasting life." We must believe on the Lord. So I'm doing a study through the book of John. I just finished Luke uh, last week, week before, and so I'm doing a study on John. Did you know there's two key words I look through in the book of John? It says believe in, and it says believe on. There's a difference between believing in the Lord and believing on the Lord. The, de- the demons and devils of hell believe in the Lord, but they don't believe on the Lord. John says over and over and over and over again. I've went through and I've highlighted it, preacher. I've tried to look every time I see that word believe on in the book of John. He reiterized, uh, re- reiterates that over and over and over again. What he's wanting us to understand is we just don't believe in Jesus, we believe on Jesus. I believe on His finished work. Folks, I can't see Jesus right now. I wasn't there when He was crucified some 2,000 years ago. Unfortunately, I've never been to Jerusalem. I've never got to look at that borrowed tomb of Joseph Arimathea. But what I can tell you today is I believe on Him. You know what? More blessed is what Jesus told Thomas. He said, he said, blessed are you, Thomas, for believing on Me. He said, because you've seen. But He said, more blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. You know what? I'm grateful, Lord, that we, we've put our faith and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus clearly told Nicodemus in John 3 and 3, He said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again. Well, we must be born again. That's the only way we can see the kingdom of God. So we understand that this is a spiritual birth. We've got to come up out of the grave. I think about 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When we're saved and sanctified, you know what we do? We become more like Christ. The old man passes away. I told my wife the other day, I said, the old man's trying to stick his head back up again. I've got to crucify him every single day, folks. People, I, I mean, we get, we, uh, some of the things, you, you know, preacher, you know as well as I do, people hear that you're a preacher automatically, they just put you on this other level, and automatically you can do no wrong. But oh dear Lord, I'm made up of the same stuff you're made out of. I fight the same sin you do. I drive down the same roads that you drive down. When somebody cuts me off, I don't get happy about it. You know, when somebody brake checks me, have you ever had somebody brake check you in a motorhome? Like, man, what are you thinking? I told my wife, I said, they're foolish. I said, I'm going to run them over. And we were in Indiana. I had a man literally stop right in front of me. I'm like, what is he thinking? He was mad because I cut him off, but I didn't mean to. But anyways, and so I understand here today, I better not get into personal stuff. Uh, but to press toward the mark, we have to understand that we've got to go through the grave. How do we go through the grave? Well, it's through the grace of God. Look on with me. Look back, at, look back one verse with me. Look at verse number 9. See what Paul is saying here. And be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness. I love this. I've got a highlight in my Bible. Which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. 
He's talking about the grace of God here, men and ladies. He's talking about the grace of God. It's not something he earned, not something he could work for, not something he could do for himself. It's something that God had to give. Remember what that word grace means. It means unmerited favor. It's undeserved today. Preacher, you sit up here and said it just a minute ago, and I heard it loud and clear, saying it was undeserved, and that's exactly what it is. We don't deserve God's grace today. What do we deserve? We deserve a place in hell. Our sin, our sin is worthy of hell. But Jesus died in our place. I think about 2 Timothy chapter number 1, verse number 9. He says, Who has saved us and called us into a, a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given uh, us in Christ Jesus before the world began. He died before the foundation of the world. He was crucified before the foundation of the world. Now for us, it seemed like it was 2,000 years ago because we have time. But, but Jesus was already before the foundation of the world. He was, it says that he was, he was slain before the foundation of the world. What does that mean? It means that He was already willing to pay the price for our sin. You have to remember, God knows all things. He knew what Adam and Eve were going to do. Guess what? He knew what you were going to do today. If you're going to believe that, He knows what you're going to do tomorrow. It's kind of scary to think that God knows when we're going to sin and what we're going to sin about. He's an all-knowing God. But we see here, we see the grace. It's clear in Scripture that we cannot earn it. It's clear in Scripture that we do not deserve it. But by God's grace, and only by God's grace, I think about what He said, again, in John 3 and 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. This is the grace of God. Folks, I love you folks tonight. I've got four boys here, okay? But I wouldn't, I wouldn't sacrifice a single boy for every, any, any one of you tonight. You understand that this evening? I love my children. I'm not willing to give them up. But yet God gave His only begotten the only one He had, He gave for us. Who He knew would pull His beard out. Who He knew would spit in His face. Who He knew would jab Him and beat Him with that cat of nine, uh, nine tails and drive those nails through His hands for us tonight. Because of that grace. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. I use this so often there in the prison when an individual tells me, how are you, you going to get to heaven? Well, I'm going to work my way there. According to, and I love, I'll just go take them straight to Scripture when they tell me that. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're not going to work our way there. You remember back in the Old Testament, they tried that one time. It was Tower of Babel. They were almost there, preacher. They were working their way there. God said, I've got to scatter them about because they're getting awful close. Now, I don't know how close they were. I don't know literally how close they were in the height and everything else. But God said, we're going to confound their language. He said, I can't have them doing this no more. You know what, because, you know what, they were getting kind of like we are today. They think they know so much. They've created this AI, I don't know if y'all have seen a whole lot of that, and I don't know much about it, but they've created these robots now where they're going to put them out, and they're going to start making decisions for us. It's kind of scary, isn't it? Thinking about what the world's come to. You know what, we've already got cars, almost every new car now, it seems like, especially luxury cars, drive themselves. I just watched the new Lincoln on the, on the um, TV ad the other day. China right now has actual um, cars that fly, and then you don't, all you do is get in them. They pick up, they fly, they land, and everything. They look like little mini helicopters, and they fly you around. And uh, it's just our technology, people are, are gods of themselves. Well, I can create that. I can make that. And then, but what Paul's saying is he said it's by grace. It's not by our works. Uh, and, and he goes on to say that to the Ephesians. I love it, though. Because in Romans 5 and 20 it says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Praise God for His grace tonight. Praise God for what He's done on the cross of Calvary. John chapter 1 verse 16 says, In the fullness 
and of His fullness uh, have all received for grace, for grace. Praise God for grace tonight. I don't have to live under the law. Now I understand why the law is there. I understand, you know what, for, for those that are uh, lost and that uh, care nothing about, we have a lawless nation, don't we? We have a lawless society. That's why the law is there. They have to understand what those confines are. But my confines are the grace of God. And so uh, it doesn't give me the ability to go out and sin willfully. Now, God forbid that, but it does give me the ability that I can be forgiven of my sin. And so I'm thankful for that. So we see throughout Scripture, though, if we're going to press toward the mark, we see that the grave that we have to come through. We see the grace that God allows us. But thirdly, I see the ghost. And now you say, Preacher, where are you going with this? The Holy Ghost. Notice here in verse number 3. For we are, are, are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit. Well, what's the Spirit of God? The Holy Spirit tonight. The Holy Ghost of God. People get awful nervous when I start talking about ghosts. <laughs> Say, well, it's not Halloween. We shouldn't be talking about all that. I'm just here to tell you, God, Jesus Christ used the word Holy Ghost. You know what? And that's exactly who it was. It was the Holy Ghost of God. We notice that it's the Spirit of God. It says right here, and it says, And rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. He's saying it's because of the Holy Spirit of God that resides within me. I showed a man, a young man this morning. Uh, he got to tell me about some things going on in his life. Took him over there first John 4 and 4. Uh, that we're overcomers, dear friend. Greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. Uh, there's nothing that you're going to face today, tomorrow, or the rest of your life that God's not stronger than. Do you believe that He, Moses held up a, a staff and all of a sudden the Red Sea parted and they walked across on dry land? I do. Do you believe that blind Bartimaeus stood by the wayside crying out, David, son of, uh, uh, son of David, have mercy on me? And Jesus come by and touched his eyes and he was healed. Do you believe that there were ten lepers that walked up to Jesus one day and as they were walking away, all of them were healed of their leprosy? If you believe that, why do you believe God can't help you today? Dear friend, God hadn't changed. That same Holy Ghost that was around from the beginning of, it, at the beginning of time is still the same God today. He's not changed His power. He's not changed His presence. He's not changed His position. He's still the same God. He's going to be the same God. But we see the Holy Ghost of God. He's saying, he's saying we must worship God in the Spirit. Over there in John chapter number 4, uh, we read about a woman, the, uh, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. Jesus said to her in verse 24, God is a Spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. That's the only way you're going to worship God tonight. If you're going to worship Him of your flesh, that's all it's going to be. It's going to be a flesh. It's going to go no further than the flesh. We have a lot of people worshiping God in their flesh. Well, I can sing loud. I can move my hands right. I can make it look just right. But have we ever just got alone and just got with the Spirit and just worship God from our spirit and say, Lord, I'm just going to worship You for who You are. Um, uh, there's many in our, our Christian life that want to worship in their own power and in their own ability. But what we need is the Holy Spirit of God. We need the Holy Ghost living within us uh, to be able to continue to go forward, to be able to press toward the mark. Because you'll never achieve the mark on your own, friends. We can try, and we can try, and we can try, but we'll never obtain. So we see, first and foremost, we see that we must come out of the grave through the grace of God, uh, and He uses the Holy Ghost uh, is uh, how God, what God places within us. But then, fourthly, I say this in verse number 12, we notice that not only that, but we notice the growth that will be in our life. Look right here, and not as though I had already apprehended, uh, either were already perfect, but I follow after that if that I may apprehend, that means to obtain. That's what the word apprehend means. To obtain 
that for which also I have apprehended of Christ Jesus. I'm trying to get closer to the Lord. Are you trying to get closer to the Lord today? I didn't come in church to be a drag. I didn't, and like I said, I didn't come in here for any other reason but to worship the Lord. Folks, I don't care if it's got a steeple on front, if everybody drove in as a free individual, or if I walk into a prison. <laughs> you know what? We can meet in a little old, they can give us a little piece of a little nothing. I ain't even worried about it. We can meet out on the yard. We have church wherever. It says where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm in the midst. Folks, I don't need a building. I don't need a roof. All we need is Jesus. And so, Lord, we just come in to worship the Lord. But we notice that the growth year, personally, I can say that any time you can start doing for God and you can start growing in your faith, but any time that you do this, the enemy comes and fights you. Determine today, determine tonight, get on the altar, make, the, make your pew the altar tonight, say, Lord, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to go win somebody to the Lord tomorrow. I'm going to pass out a gospel track. I'll almost, I won't guarantee you, but I almost bet uh, you'll have a flat tire. Uh, the car won't crank. Uh, the kids will start screaming. You'll have this going on. There's always something going to happen. Why does that happen? Because that's spiritual oppression. Satan don't want you winning another. He don't want another person saved. He don't want this church filled up. He don't want you here right now. He wants you sitting at the house saying, Go Carolina. Everything's going to be alright. He wants you sitting there on the back porch. Oh, look at the beautiful sun. Look at my cat. Look at the cows. He wants you doing nothing. Because he doesn't want you being able to be used. He doesn't want you growing for the Lord Jesus Christ. But can I say this? Over in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, they, they healed a man in the name of Jesus Christ. They said, we ain't got no power. They said, all, we, said, all we've got, said, we'll give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. He got healed. Hey, did you, did you ever, have you ever read the scripture? What happens in the very next chapter? Persecution comes. Soon as you start doing something for Christ, persecution comes. Brother, I can't name a missionary with our mission board right now that does not have a physical ailment. Not one. Not one. Folks, I don't know many missionaries that don't have a physical ailment right now. Because Satan's not going to get them to lose their faith. But he'll try to take their health. I know missionary after missionary that are losing their spouses right now. Satan may not be able to take them, take their health, but he may take something else out of the picture. He'll do everything he can to bring them up off the field. Get them a reason to quit. Folks, if I just wanted to quit tonight, I could quit and say my health's bad enough and I'm just going to give it up. You say, well, Brother Justin, you're still pretty young. I am pretty young, and I'm grateful for that. And as long as I've got breath in my lungs, I'm going to preach the gospel. You know what? We ought to continue to press on. We ought to continue to grow in Christ. There's something for us out there that we can continue on. If you say, well, Brother Justin, you know what? If I go out and serve the Lord, I, I, I don't believe all that's going to happen. Go ask Job. There's a whole book on that. Job went to serve the Lord. When he went to serve the Lord, what happened? Opposition came. Satan personally came looking for him. I just wonder, preacher, how many people in here, how many times has Satan come and personally looked for you? You say, well, he ain't never come looking for me. Well, then you ain't serving. You start serving, he'll come looking for you. Now, he has to come one at a time, but could you imagine? He's been around for a little while. You know what? It's not like he just born yesterday. He's been at this for about 6,000 years. Maybe even a little bit more than that. He knows what he's doing. He's, he's, he's a little bit of a professional at it. But again, I say greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. He comes with the same tactics. You know what? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. He's not coming in a different way. It's one of the three. That's all he knows, and that's all he's going to do. But we see, not only here, we see not only that you've got to come from the grave through God's grace, and not only that, uh, but we see that through, uh, through the grave and through God's grace, uh, we see that you receive the Holy Ghost, but even in that, we'll see the growth 
And then finally, and I'm done this evening, uh, we go on and we see not only that, but we also see the goal. What is the end goal here? I heard this story, or I heard, heard this illustration, and I loved it so much, I want to share it with you this evening. I said, what is a Christian like? It said, a Christian is like a pumpkin that is carved into a jack-o'-lantern. Now, you follow me just for a minute here. God picks us up out of the pumpkin patch, and He brings us in from the field. The Bible says that He selects us out of this world. Uh, we are then in the world, but no longer of the world. Jesus said, I have chosen you out of the world in John 15, 19. God then washes all the dirt off the outside of us. And, and then we, and that we received from being around the other pumpkins. You ever think about that just for a little bit? All the outside influences of our former life must be cleaned up. God carefully removes all the yucky stuff out of us. We call that sin. And, and then removes it from the inside. And then He changes us from the inside to the outside by the power of His Word. And that's why it's important that we come to church each day. And each time the doors are open. And to hear God's Word preached. But then after that, He carves a smiling face on us. And our countenance begins to change by the power of His presence in our life. I think about this, I, I, and I, I challenge people everywhere I go, if we're in church, we ought to be smiling. You know what, I don't know what you're going through, and I understand that tonight. You know what, you might have went through the hardest time in your entire life. But if you're saved on your way to heaven, you ought to have some joy in your life. You know what, I, tell, I told the inmates the other day, we were in that facility, we had a, this was a facility in, uh, here in North Carolina, 1,800 inmates in there. We had about 40 guys, 35, 40 guys come out to the service that evening. I was leading singing. We went through one verse, and I stopped. I said, whoa, 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 and everybody looked at me. I said, I didn't know we walked into the funeral home. They looked at me, and they were like, what? I said, I didn't know we walked into the funeral home, man. I said, some of you have already professed to be Christians in here tonight. And I said, why isn't there a smile on your face? I said, I come to church tonight. You know what? I come to get excited tonight. I don't want to ever leave the church bummed out. If you're ever bummed out from the church, I would check up on the church. I would check up on your salvation. I go and, boy, I get pumped up. I'm ready to go. I leave church, I'm ready to go. Now the kids, I, I might leave them, but I'm ready to go. I mean that jokingly, okay? Just mean that jokingly. I've got my son here. He'll, he'll get on with me later on that. But uh, sure enough, we see though that he not only calls a, 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 a smile on our face, but then He puts His light inside of us for the whole world to see. Right. Next time you look at a jack-o'-lantern, maybe you'll think, of, think about that a little differently. Yeah. You look over there and say, well, that's got a smiling face on it. Some of them put, some of them put like the more horrible faces. But, you know, we, we always did it with the kids, and we done a, do a smiling face. You, you drop the light in there for all to see. Yeah. You know what? That's how we ought to be, folks. But that's for the goal, and that's where we're at tonight. Notice here in verse number 14, and we finish with this verse. It said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Notice what the end goal is here. That the people would be saved and discipled and grow in the word and truth and then repeat the process. That's what this is all about. This isn't about how many can I have in my church. This isn't about how much nice stuff can I have or how I can do this. It's not about us. I'll say that again. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus. When we come in tonight, when we come in to each and every service, it ought to be, Lord, how can I worship you this evening? Lord, I, I, Lord, I, I don't know what all to do. I don't know what all to say. And I'm glad that Jesus is my mediator tonight. Because when I go to prayer and I get baffled and I don't know what to say, He makes intercession for me. He speaks on my behalf. Because sometimes I'm repetitive. I say the same things. You ever been like that? I'll go to the Lord and say the same prayer over and over again. And not even know why I'm saying it. But Jesus makes intercession for me. I don't know what to say.
say, I've got a real high education tonight, but I can tell you about Jesus. I can tell you about the one that saved my soul. The one that rescued me out of a devil's hell because I was on my way there, dear friends. But it's all because of the goal. What Paul was trying to explain, what Paul's roadmap was trying to show us is that we go from the grave through the grace of God, we receive the Holy Ghost, we grow all for this common goal. What is this goal again tonight? He said right there, he said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I'm just going to keep on pressing. You know what Paul said? I ain't looking behind. I'll give you just a quick illustration I'm done. Think about this this evening. When you leave here tonight, for those of you that drove in, if you didn't drive in, you rode with somebody, you think about this from the passenger seat. That front windshield is a whole lot bigger than that rear rear mirror. Why is that? Because you're not supposed to spend all your time in that rear rear mirror. You're supposed to be looking ahead. Oh, dear friend, we can look in the past and make a glimpse up every once in a while. Look back there. Oh, that's what's behind me. That's what's behind me. And be reminded of what's behind us. But we're supposed to be looking forward. If you spend all your time looking in the past, guess where you end up? In the ditch. You end up in a wreck. You end up in some bad shape because we spend so much time harping on the past. Satan wants to drag you back to the past if he can. Folks, I used to be an alcoholic and a drug addict. Guess where he'd love to see me today? He'd love to see me in a crack house tonight. You know what? But by God's grace, I ain't going back there. You know what? I'm going to try to lead somebody from that lifestyle. You know what? We work with people every single day like that that are addicted to drugs and alcohol. You know what I want to tell them? Jesus can set you free. You know what? He'll set you free from that bondage. Because there is an ultimate goal here that people would be saved, that people would be discipled, that they would not only be justified, but sanctified and then glorified, dear friends. I'm grateful tonight, and I hope you're grateful tonight, that there's, we have a reason to press on forward. So, so my, my friends, stop looking around. May we just keep our eyes upon Christ as Peter did when he walked on the water. You remember the story there in Matthew chapter number 14? As long as he had his eyes on Christ, he was alright. But as soon as he started looking around, that ocean spray began to hit him on the side of the face. Man, that wind is awful getting up out here. It's awful dark out here. He began to look around. He took his eyes off Christ. Scripture says he began to sink. Folks, when we take our eyes off Christ, we'll start noticing everything else wrong around us. We'll turn on the news and we'll watch the news for a few minutes. We've took our eyes off Christ. Well, this is what's going on in the world. Well, this is what's going on. Now, I'm not saying it's not wrong to be informed. But let's make sure we're rightly informed. God's got plenty for us. There's plenty for us to do right here, right now. We don't have to be looking around, well, Lord, what's going on? I don't know what all to do. Don't worry. If you're saved, you're on your way to heaven. It don't matter what takes place. There can be another Hiroshima and it takes place here tonight. Guess what? We're going on to heaven. <laughs> At least if you're saved in here tonight. So I just asked this question as we closed. Where are your eyes placed on right now? What are you looking to? Are you already looking at a way not to be here for revival this week? Well, I've got things going on. Dear friends, I'd hang it up, whatever it is. If it's possible, I'd hang it up and be here in the church. I'd get all the help that I can get. You know what? Because there's people that we need to reach. If we ain't growing in Christ, then we can't help them. You know, we've got to grow. We've got to continue to press on towards the mark. But I think about this. Are your eyes on Jesus or on the other things? You know, it's Sunday. What's the big thing on Sunday right now? The NFL. Got home today, and I could care less about the NFL. Uh, I'm not, uh, that's not the right type of football for me. I like the football where they kick, kick a ball around. And for those of you who don't know, I love soccer. I just love the game. Uh, but needless to say, my life doesn't revolve around that. If I get an opportunity, I love to watch it. But there's other things that are more pressing than that. There's souls at stake. There's souls hanging in the balance. 
you know what? If we'll do our part, and we'll try to reach those because we're pressing on. If we ever stop, if we ever get stagnant, what happens is it gets real easy. You know, for my family, it's real easy for us to sit here and say, oh, we're good right here. We're content right here, right where we're living at. We live in Statesville, folks. We don't live far away. You know what? I'm used to the North, I'm used to North Carolina. I'm used to the hot, humid summers and whatever we got for the winter, which we never know what that's going to be. Sometimes it's cold. Sometimes it's icy. It doesn't know. We don't know. But I'm used to that. I'm not, I, I don't know anything about the desert, but I know if God wants us there, that's where we need to be. Wherever it is God wants you to be, we've got to make sure we're there, but we've got to be pressing on. One step in front of the other, constantly looking at Christ. Father, I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to open your word tonight. Lord, I pray, Lord, we were an encouragement to somebody. Father, I pray tonight that, Lord, you would just work on our hearts. Lord God, I pray that you would challenge me this evening, Lord, and to keep pressing on. Father, it is awful easy, Lord, just to get stagnant right where we're at and say, okay, we're doing good, Uh, the bills are paid, everything's taken care of. But that's not living by faith at all. Father, to live by faith, we've got to take steps. And we've got to continue to press on. Paul wrote a lot of his epistles from a prison cell. Lord, he continued to press on. He wrote when it's believed that his eyesight was leaving, he continued to press on. Father, when those afflictions were coming, uh, and we read all the different things that Paul went through, and he went through some horrible things, but I don't read where Paul ever gave up and quit. Father, I just want to encourage your people tonight, Lord. It's not time to give up and quit. Let's continue to press on. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to be here. God, please strengthen us. Give us the hope that we need. God, I love you. I'm thankful, Lord, that you saved, died on a wretched wretched cross for me. God, but I'm even more grateful today, Lord, that we can tell people about who you are. Lord, what you've done in our lives and what you can do in their lives. What a great and awesome testimony we, we have today. Lord, please use us for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Pastor.